The Why Me Project, an exclusive presentation of Faith Strong Today. It's been a while since we've had a chance to talk to something that I think we're very passionate about, and that would be grief, Mm -hmm. because I think we all go through different forms of it. And it's so great that we have an opportunity to talk with uh, Peg Beaton, who is, would you consider yourself, Peg, a specialist? Well, I have focused my life on making people aware of the effects of grief in their life. And I'm coaching now, um, still. (laughs) And um, with that coaching, you know, the first thing I usually deal with is, you know, what losses are you experiencing or have experienced that you haven't processed? Because that's where I see people, especially in depression, Mm. that people get stuck there. We would be remiss to not ask our our first and skill testing question, Peg, and that would be, who are you and where did you come from? I was actually born in Alberta, raised in BC my whole life, was in Alberta until 21 years ago when we decided to uh, help our kids move to Saskatchewan. And I was unemployed at the time and had the opportunity to get hired by the college here. And through all of that, my background was education and counseling, uh, right through psychology, sociology. And I ended up in education, um, out of, um, you know, that's where the job opportunities were. And then when I, I moved into post-secondary education, I moved into career counseling and, um, mm. and then personal counseling because students attending University have lots of personal issues that get in the way of their studies. So yep. that's kind of, does that give you it in a nutshell? Yes, there you go. that's good. <laughs> yeah. But why would you leave Alberta? Right? <laughs> <laughs> well, actually, I was born in Alberta uh, during the war. Okay. And so uh, that sort of gives you an idea of how old I am. But um, I was born in Claire's home, Alberta, because my uh, dad was um, a flight instructor in the um, Air Force at that time. Oh, wow. So I'm the only one in a family of 10, including my parents, that were not born in Kelowna, B.C. Oh, okay. <laughs> so when, I mean, you seem to have this heart for helping and this heart for teaching. Was that always something then that you felt like that's where you were going to end up? Well, actually, no, I thought I was going to go into the sciences in my first year university, oh. and I was going to be a lab tech, and I wanted to study the causes of disease. Hmm. And then uh, in after completing my first year of university, I actually became a nun for six years. Hmm. A nun? <laughs> a nun. Okay. <laughs> wait, wait. How do you go from... <laughs> Sciences to I'm going to be a nun. Well, it was kind of one of those things that was always in my, in my background. Mm-hmm. And so the thing is, is, you know, being the eldest of 10 children, I sort of took on the role of being, you know, it was quite normal in those days that if you were a Catholic family, that there would be a nun or a priest in the family. Mm-hmm. And I always had a certain attraction to that and specifically to uh my religion and my upbringing. Yeah. And so um I decided that um 
that I would go and, and, you know, follow that. But it, it didn't take me, you know, like th- six years. And actually I kind of knew before that it really wasn't where I was meant to be. Yeah. Sure. And I, I had a very strong feeling that, you know, we were raised that it was either single life, married life or religious life. Those mm-hmm. were your, your choices. And so I came out of the convent after six years and uh, then proceeded to meet my husband in my next job. <laughs> so <laughs> so there, there we are. <laughs> oh, amazing. Well, at one point, and I mean, you, you have written the book, Healing a Family's Journey. Uh, at one point, you decided to write this book, but it takes an incident it takes something for you to want to write this book mm-hmm. if we can go back to maybe the beginning as to why did you want to uh dive into being upfront and personal about you and your life and and for me that was a it's a, a major challenge it was a growth um experience for one thing and because i came out of high school believing that i couldn't write any good essays or things like that. Mm -hmm. So, you know, that was another challenge to take this on. But I had a message that I wanted to get out to people because we had gone through the diagnosis with our son. And, you know, that was six years of two months at a time. They wouldn't give us any more time than that for the you know, and he was only 20 months when he was diagnosed. Wow. So that's, you know, the first um seven years of his life. And if we had not had the opportunity, so this is a why me, <laughs> why did someone come to us and say, this course is going on and we think that you could benefit from it as yeah. a family and we will pay for it. Hmm. So my husband and I took the course together and it was the course from Dr. Kubler-Ross on the grieving process. But had we not had that, I don't think we would be together today. I don't think our family would be who they are today because of the overwhelming effect on our emotions of grief. Yeah. And so it was very interesting because I was about to write it when our son was in his early 30s. Life was very busy. I was working. And so I I thought I just didn't have, I, I used to say, I don't have the time and the money together. I either got the time or the money, but I haven't got both of them at the same time. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. And then we turn around and he was diagnosed with a brain tumor and it was like, oh my goodness, we're going through all of this all over again. Yeah. Oh. You know, and so it wasn't until he got over that and, you know, still alive and well to this day, married and with a beautiful little three-year-old girl. So. So at the age of 20 months, this is we're we're talking mid 70s. Yes. Di- yeah, he was born with... in 1975, so this was um halfway through 76. Right. And so then he's diagnosed with leukemia. Yes. And I mean, I'm I'm thinking of being diagnosed now. 
which to me is, uh, listen, no diagnosis is good, but if it's better to now because the way technology and the advancement of everything has been than it would have been back in the seventies, where was your guys's minds? Where was your heart at that time? Uh, It was like right at the rock bottom because Mm. to, you know, I had a six week old baby uh, at the time of his diagnosis. You know, so the thing is, is, is you look at that and, and, and you think like, what now? And at that time, like literally they had no survivors under three years of age. Yeah. Really? That was why they would only give us two months at a time. Wow. Uh So yes, things have changed tremendously. And yet I find that Families are still going through so much of the same. I was going to ask that. Yeah. 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 Like, and that's why I, even as much time that has gone by, I still figured, you know what? I still need to write this book. There's still a message to get out. Yeah. To people. Yeah. I can't imagine. I mean, you have a, a infant, not two years. You have another yes. infant, not yes. not two months, and, and I had uh, a four year old. <laughs> and a, oh. oh my goodness! You're not okay. busy enough. <laughs> I'm tired just hearing that, and I just have two. Um, <laughs> but every two months, you're kind of going through this cycle of: is it today? Is it today? Oh, now we have two more months. Okay. Oh no! Is it today? Is it today? How did you and your husband navigate that? It. It was literally, and our 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 son himself taught us because he lived so much for the day, hmm. you know. And you know, the thing is, is it was just like one day at a time, and that is literally what we got to. We we moved away from waiting for the two months to happen, and just said, like, you know, and then. One of the things that I say so often is none of us are promised tomorrow. Yeah. You know, we just don't stop and think about it. Yeah. But literally, I I got that concept in my mind sufficiently. But just watching him and, you know, he lived so much in the moment. He wasn't thinking about tomorrow. He wasn't thinking about, you know, it was like, what are we doing right now? Hmm. And uh, so for me, um, watching him really was what helped me. And then, you know, like my husband had a very hard time. And um, so the thing is, is then I could support him. Until such time as we got the course, and then then we could be kind of on the same communication level. You know, nobody would believe it if you haven't lived through it. I know I would have never believed it, yeah. you know, until you actually go through it. Yeah. And, and it's it's interesting, though, because you're talking about your husband dealing with it differently. Like, we all grieve very differently. And there's different, you know, and it's not one specific thing. There could be a number of different things to trigger it. So how do we navigate grief, whether it's something major or maybe it's something that's uh, uh, disenfranchised? The The thing that I think is so important is that we know the process. 
So understanding that there are the stages, denial, bargaining, anger, depression. Those are the four stages, and those are the stages that people get stuck in. So we end up kind of either on a roller coaster or like a tornado, just totally in emotions. Mm. And what I've recognized was in that emotion, our brains are not kicking in. So we're probably not making good decisions. Mm. We're not thinking clearly because the power of emotion is so powerful that it overrides <laughs> and from my perspective my thinking brain <laughs> you know so so you know so many of the decisions that you know we look back on now and say like why did we do that but understanding where we were at that time to me is what really makes the difference mm. yeah so Understanding those stages and recognizing the behaviors and the behaviors of grief are the same behaviors as attention deficit disorder. I worked in special education and I was amazed when I realized that what they were diagnosing as attention deficit disorder with or without hyperactivity in children was basically the same as what I'd studied in the grief process. And so you get the inability to focus or pay attention, you know, um, easily distracted, hyperactivity or hypoactivity, because it can affect some people where they just shut down to doing everything at half the pace instead of twice the pace. And then there's impulsivity, so acting without thinking of consequences. And the last one is perseveration, which is a one-track mind. Well. So those are the, the behaviors that you see. And when you can understand that it's only because you have lost something. And that, to me, is the key there, Johnny, is the fact that the loss is that individual's loss. Nobody else's. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And somebody else might not think it. Like how many times I've seen parents say, oh, well, that wasn't very important. Yeah. You know, that yeah. couldn't have been a big deal. But to the child, oh, man, it was the end of their life. Yeah. Well, you well know? that's so interesting, especially coming now out of a pandemic. And, you know, there's so many kids that are presenting signs of ADHD and maybe it's just grief, the loss of having friends around, the loss of having family support for an extended period of time. That's a really interesting. um, And all the fear as well. Yeah. Because we lived in so much fear during that period of time. Yeah, that's really interesting. So that that's my per perspective on it sure yeah, yeah you absolutely know? and You're that the boss, is why <laughs> i didn't only write a, a memoir but i wrote in the appendix i wrote about the grieving stages about the behaviors because as soon as we move to acceptance and that to me is accepting that we cannot change the situation it is what it is and so when we can move to acceptance Then we immediately, our brain, and I've studied the brain extensively, 
the brain basically flips from victimization, so things happening to us, to empowering me to make change on my own. And that's what happens when we get to acceptance. I can imagine a lot of people taking some notes right now. (laughs) (laughs) And the book is available. (laughs) Nice. Here you go. Shameless plug. Yes. yes. (laughs) Yeah. No, um, it's available. Um, you can just go to pegbeaton.com and I have on there listed the different places that it's available because you can get it at Amazon and, um, uh, it's now available in audiobook as well. Well, so- look at it. usually we wait till the end to plug all those things, Peg. You're just like, <laughs> no, nah, we're doing it right here, right now. Um, <laughs> let me, I want to I ask you this about a grief thing, though. Can we fully be healed from having grief? I mean, you know, I, I think about, let's just say, you know, you have a you have a, this cancer diagnosis and you're cancer free. But then I've still I've heard from people who then do not look forward to any kind of doctor's appointment because they're worried that they're just going to get another type of diagnosis. So can we get over that or is that even a thing? Well, I believe that there are uh, tools out there. And one of the biggest ones that I work towards, um, Body Talk does this and there are some new programs, the EFT, Emotional um, um, Release from the tapping solution, those kinds Mm. of things that release emotions. And that's what I have learned is that it stays in the cellular memory of our cells. And our memory is not just in our brain. It's in every single cell of our body. And according to Deepak Chopra, we have 70 trillion cells in our body. So just imagine the power of those emotions You know, that's why I say like our brain doesn't kick in when we are in trauma or in grief. Mm. And so the, I believe you can release that. And our son would tell you that the biggest thing for him in that area is that he had to quit dying. So Mm. he, he had the belief system that he was supposed to die and he didn't because he had a couple of accidents where he just about died again, you know. And then after the diagnosis of his brain tumor, which actually was caused from the treatment that he got at 20 months. Yeah, we've heard that. Yeah. And then, and then he said, like, that is it. I am choosing to live. Hmm. And he has done a lot of the body talk. He actually um, took all the training to become a practitioner in order for him to get through. And he's choosing to live and he's, he's going for an MRI tomorrow. And it's just like water off a duck's back. So, yes, I believe that we can heal. Yeah, that's amazing. You know, but finding the tools that work for you. I think is key. Yeah, for sure. And it's interesting too that you you talk about grief being something on a cellular level because I've actually heard um, some people talking about how if a a woman who's pregnant goes through a really stressful situation, or, you know, there's a, another life inside of her, and it it impacts the the infant as well. Mm. Um, and these are some things that they're just starting to look into. How does trauma on 
a pregnant mom impact the baby? Well, and I've actually worked in my coaching practice with some people who have picked up because the baby in the womb will pick up what they can hear and what they feel. Those Mm -hmm. are the two senses that in those developmental stages will stay with the child. Yeah. Yeah. And yes, you know, and part of for me was I I learned about that for myself because my mom was really angry that she was at home by herself and my dad was in Alberta when Mm. she found out she was pregnant. Hmm. with me <laughs> yes <laughs> okay and like i i used to say i was born angry <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> um. angry with the world and then <laughs> when i began to understand this like yes so it was something that i personally and then i've seen it in our son as well so hmm. uh, yeah so for those who pick up the book for those who are looking for uh, some reading material. Are, are, did you write it to give answers? Did you write it to give insight? What was your heart behind it? Um, basically, it was about sharing my our experience as a family so that people can relate to it. And honestly, mm-hmm. I would say if you read the book, you probably cannot help but release and relieve yourself of some of your own personal grief. Hmm. Yeah. Because I didn't hold back on anything. And at the end of each chapter, I basically identified the people in that chapter as to what stage of grief they were dealing with, what their fears were, because I think the fear of the unknown has such a major factor on how we are thinking or feeling. Mm-hmm. And so that I put that at the end of each chapter so that people would have something to relate it to, to the grief stages. So it was m- more about what people could learn about the grieving process, Johnny, I think, than anything. Yeah. Uh, so that people could realize how important it is to deal with their own grief so that they can get on with living, you know, and that's what I'm all about is, you know, live, love, laugh, and be happy. (laughs) It's my motto in my kitchen. (laughs) I love that. And it's such a great perspective. And to know that you were able to find tools that worked for you, that helped you get to a point where you can use it as your life motto. And the the end isn't grief. It's the acceptance and what comes next and, and living. Like you're, it doesn't and end. Living. And yes. living life yes. to the fullest. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. I'm sure, I'm sure there's like also a lot of that where you're you're processing why and you're processing what's happening. Um, I mean, this is the Why Me Project. Can you maybe unpack some of those Why Me moments that you you were thinking and having to work your way through? Well, the one Why Me moment that I, you know, uh, was I was sitting in a chapel and trying to process, like, why? What have I done? What, what have I not done? Mm-hmm. Why me that all of a sudden I have a son with leukemia and mm. we can't find any reason why? Yeah. So what is my role in all of this? And, you know, um, 
it was amazing because what basically came through to me in time was I, my, because my husband had, had, had an incident of, of life and death as well. And then our son, but my grandfather died when I was eight years of age and he was, I was his shining star. So mm. when he died, it was like, and back then, you know, they didn't even want us at the funeral. You know, that yeah. was the way things were. Yeah. And, um, you know, my, my parents took us, but we had to sit in the back room and they only took, you know, us, the two oldest children. And, uh, but we had to sit in the back room and not be seen. Well, we never, I never got the chance to work that grief through. Mm. Yeah. So when the third incident came along and uh, our son was diagnosed, it was like, why me? What have I done? You know, and we take on the responsibility of this happening in our lives when in fact it has nothing to do with me. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, no, that's, yeah. that's good. Uh, Healing a Family's Journey, which is available now, pegbeaten.com is where you can get that. She's already told us, but we're just going to repeat all the goodness that she said, Peg. We appreciate you for taking some time out of your day and sharing your heart with us. Well, and thank you so very much for inviting me. It's been an honor and a pleasure to be a part of your show. I love it when we get to, I mean, there's certain things that we have known in the past. There's certain things that we learned that is brand new and things that, mm-hmm. you know, you get recycled and you're like, oh yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah, exactly. And it was just great to connect with Peg and just to hear about her story. What an mm. incredible story. Um, I can't imagine having such a young family and going through that and then revisiting the hospital again when your son's yeah. an adult and has a brain tumor. Like, whoa. Uh, and yet here she is, love and life. There are so many people that we know, uh, not personally, but just know in general that are going through some sort of trauma, mm-hmm. some sort of grief, some sort of maybe it is a cancer diagnosis and know that, uh, you know, we are thinking and praying uh, and hoping that, you know, the, the doctors will have everything that they need in order for you to become cancer free. I mean, it's it's things that unfortunately is is too common, Holly. And I like how she said about navigating grief and finding the tools and the ways that work best for you. Yeah. And there's so many resources out there. And so some might work for you, some might not work for you. But if you feel like there is something in your life that you are grieving, I just want to encourage you just to reach out and uh, just see what kind of resources are available for you because there are actually a lot and a lot of different ways too of, of processing yeah. grief. And if you're like, I don't have a ton of money, guess what? There are people out there who are able to help and it does not cost anything yeah. or very little. We're in the seventies to where we are now is very different. Yeah. And it's, and we're hoping and praying that it's going to get even better. There you go. Um, thank you to everybody who has downloaded, subscribes, who listens, who follows us on all the socials, who goes on the YouTube and looks at these mugs. Uh, we, <laughs> we are so thankful for all of you. We appreciate you. Uh, and of course you can download, rate, review, subscribe wherever you are, whatever platform you're on and yeah. you're listening to us. And then, of course, you can always go to facestrongtoday.com. Yeah.